well, 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 well. Uh, just to give some context, I think you had it the first time. That's good, right there. Let's give you guys some context real quick. Is Are you guys cool with the lighting like this? No sleeping, right? right. I want to kind of give, I'm, I'm a big context guy. One of the biggest problems we've had as a, a church is we take Bible out of context. Take Bible out of context. So I want to give some context to this week. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm going to be one delivering the message, delivering the word. In fact, if you want to bring it up on the screen where we're going to be this evening, you can take some notes. I understand the lighting is a little bit weird, but, um, you know, if there's, uh, if you'd like to, uh, are we good with this? Do you want more lights to take notes? Yes, you do? Turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. Sorry. No, I want to sleep. No. <laughs> so, hey, man, we're cool with this. Listen, this is, this is good. This is good. No, no, no complaining. Um, hey, I want to give you guys, I want to give you some expectations that I have this week. Um, I'm, I'm not a guy that speaks for a long time. I'm not like one of those hour-long speakers. Um, yeah, thankfully. But... I would like you to pay attention. Um, this, is, this is teen camp. I started doing teen ministry uh, when I was 22 years old. I took my first youth pastor position. And I've been involved in youth ministry since that point. And <laughs> I'll just shoot straight with you. When I accepted you know, that call and I, and I went into... Uh, traveling preaching ministry, which we call evangelism in our denomination, people told me, don't do youth work. You'll get labeled as a youth minister, and you'll starve, because you guys are terrible tithers. So, but I just, I did. I felt like God, um, I don't, I didn't feel like God. I knew God pointed out your generation to me. Uh, over the years, I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase that you're the church of today. And that's true, although, and again, you probably understand this, just everyone else in the world of your age who doesn't. A lot of your generation doesn't understand why you're the church of today. You're a, you're a hot commodity. Hollywood, the media, and the world wants your age group. I can prove to you biblically throughout the ages that the enemy, his attack is so pinpointed on youth that if he gets your age group, it's the last generation he'll ever have to forcefully go after. So when we come to, when we come to these, this week, I've been you know, doing this for a long time, 26 years of youth ministry. I have expectations. Um, I want you to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. What I consistently find among your generation, not necessarily you, but what I find among your generation is that you know a lot about God. Most of, the re most of the time when you come to these kinds of camps, it's because you go to some kind of a church. Who here goes to church regularly? I <laughs> did before the pandemic. Okay, so most of you know about God and you believe in God. You know, I I've met your generation. I've talked to your generation. They're like, man, I'll go down swing and I believe in him. But what do you mean by that? What do you mean you believe in Jesus? You believe that he exists? You believe that he's God? You believe that he's good? You believe that he's holy? You believe that he came to die for you? Well, so what? Satan believes that. 
See, what does it mean to believe in him? See, when we're talking about believing in Jesus, it's not just a mental thing. It's not, definitely not just an emotional thing. We go to these, I've been doing these for so long. We tend to slip in at times. I hear people, even some of the workers at times will say, we want to get him psyched up. I don't. We want to get him fired up. I don't. One of the greatest deterrents to spiritual growth in your life will be drive and passion. You're like, what? You know the people that we hurt out of our own passions? You're not to be driven. You're to be led by the Spirit. You're not to be passionate. Find me anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus was led by passion. He's not. He's led by the Father. So what I, want, what I want to see happen in your life is what happened to me when I was 22 years old. I had, long story short, I had been discharged from the military. I wasn't a horrible person. I just didn't know Jesus. I was kicked out for drug use, and uh, I was a mess. I was 100 pounds lighter than I am now. And I had nowhere to go. I'd been on my own since I was 15. Everybody's got a sob story, so I've got one. And... Uh, I was just living out of my car in Southern California, and a Christian family took me in off the road, took me off the street. They said, you can live with us. There'll be no drinking, no drugs, no girls, no partying, and you have to come to church. I was like, dude, deal. So I lived with them. They took me one evening to a Billy Graham crusade. You might know Billy Graham. See, thing is, is that I'm a huge basketball player. I played basketball for the United States Marine Corps, and... Um, I was the shortest guy on my team, by the way. Isn't that crazy how tall they are? But um, so they, they had taken me. They said, we got a surprise. So they took me out, and we pulled into this, uh, into this stadium. And I was like, they're taking me to an NBA game. You know, I was like, wow, you guys are such good Christians. Man, they're awesome. So we get out, and we're walking in the stadium. And I notice everybody's carrying Bibles. I'm like, what in the world? We get inside, and I was like, you're taking me to church in a stadium? I was like, I, I was totally, man, taking advantage of. I was all mad, went to the top of the, I literally went past the ropes where you weren't supposed to go and just sit up there and smoke cigarettes because I smoked back then as a ruffian. And God got a hold of me. I had an encounter. It wasn't here. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, convincing. It, I had an encounter with Jesus. I had an encounter with another person freaked me out. I never got over it. You're not going to make it unless you have an encounter. You're just not going to make it. And I grieve. I grieve for teenagers who know about Jesus. I go to churches. I've been traveling 30 to 40 weeks a year for 26 years. And I go to churches. And you know how many churches I go to where I see your age group who grew up in church they know when to stand up. They know when to sit down. They know all the right things to say. And they graduate and they never come back. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they know all about Jesus. But they don't know him. They don't like know him, know him. I want you to know him. I want you to know him this week. I do. I want you to have an encounter that will forever change the trajectory of your life. Some of you are going to be called to ministry this week. Some of you, he's just going to threaten your plans. You're going to be like, you're so pushy. 
Some of you, he's going he's gonna, <laughs> to, these are my favorites. Some of you, he's going to come in between the person you're dating and he's going to be like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. He just, that's the thing with Jesus. I just, I just want to warn you. There's no pressure on this. If you get involved with Jesus, he's going to stick his fingers in your life. I mean, he's pushy. He's a stalker. I mean, he really is. He really, really is. And so here's what I want to do. I want to begin with covenant language, which is biblical. I cannot, there's so much stuff I want to share with you this week. 30 minute slots, really quick. This doesn't count because we haven't started yet. But I want to, I want to, I want to present to you an alternate form of lifestyle that begins and ends with Jesus at the center of it. I want your life to revolve around a person. I don't want you to do what's right and wrong. I want you to live in response to a person. So we're going to, have, we're going to be in with covenant language. And there's no pressure. And listen, I, I don't, we, 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 as, we, as leaders, your leaders are, you know there's, there's leaders that came here that are not like ministers who get paid to like, you know, not do much like me. There are people here that actually have jobs that took vacation away from their family to love on you and minister to you this week. You know, that's how ridiculous that is. You're loved. And so just quickly, not just teenagers, but those who are counselors, you're not opted out of this. Okay? I've been to camps where we have no worship because the band is getting saved. <laughs> Wouldn't it be neat if the band got saved this week? Wouldn't that be awesome? Read into that. But the point is, is that just, wouldn't it be neat if just the band was over here and I was over there and just God was, and you could come and join us? That's what it's supposed to be. So we're going to come into covenant together. Don't cheapen this, okay? We're not into big, we're into responding to him. If you're open for Jesus to speak in your life, raise your hand. It's covenant. If you're not, no pressure, but don't cheapen this, okay? Close your eyes and agree with me. Jesus, I give you permission to speak into my life. I come into agreement with your plan for my life. Begin tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Uh, we're gonna, you're not going to really need your Bible tonight unless you absolutely want to. I'm looking out of the NIV. And I want to walk with you just through a couple passages, basically one passage each evening. And we're going to look at verse 1 of, of the book of uh, Titus. It's actually a letter written by Paul to one of his protégés. And we're going to look at verse 1 tonight and tomorrow night. And I want to just kind of creep through this verse. This is the first half of verse 1. And uh, this is how it reads. Paul, a servant of God... And an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for this reason. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a servant and I'm an apostle for the faith. For the faith of God's elect. Tomorrow, we'll look at the other half of verse 1. I want to walk you through this really quickly. He begins and he uses this phrase that Paul is a servant of God. One of the things you're going to find, if you go through the New Testament, you are rarely, if ever, referred to as a servant. In fact, in the book of Galatians, which is the letter that Paul writes to this church in Galatia, they had some problems. Uh, in case you don't know it, this is a Nazarene camp. It's a Nazarene church camp. It's awesome. It began in the beginning of the 1900s, and they were a mission to ordinate. This is crazy. Not, not a lot of people know this about Nazarenes. Our first Nazarene deal that was started, no one was allowed to wear dress clothes. Seriously. Phineas Brzee was a savage. 
Yeah, they, did, they literally got rid of all religious trappings and they said, we're about him. So that's what you're a part of. But what's really interesting, the church of the Nazarene, we believe not just men, but women. God calls men and women to full-time leadership in church. Men and women are equal before God. In fact, Paul says that if you're a Christian, there's neither Jew nor, neither, really? Wrong translation. Jew nor Greek, slave nor, male nor, but we're all one in Christ. You say, what does that mean? That means if you're a Christian, where you get your identity and your self-worth is not in your nationality. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. My wife's not white, by the way, and neither are my kids. We're a multicultural, multi-ethnic family. It does not matter what, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're Japanese, it doesn't matter if you're Asian, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're Native American, it doesn't matter. Your, your identity is not found in your skin color. It's not. That's why he says you're neither Jew nor, nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, which means your economic status. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. Every single one of us are equal and we are children of the Most High God. That's gets consistent throughout the Bible. Now hear this. You would say, then why does Paul, who teach, that was Paul who wrote this, who says, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God. Why would, he, why, would he call a, why would he say he's a servant? Because the number one characteristic of a child of God is that they have the nature of God, which is servanthood. If you're a Christian, you're a servant. There's no self-centered Christians. You're just, if you're self-centered, you're just filled with something else besides him. Because he won't tolerate that. That's why no children of God exploit or make fun of someone else. Why? Because they, they, they feel for, they're servants. It's what, I want to speak to you. I want to I mold my life for your betterment. That's what it means to be a servant. I give this illustrations all the time to young couples, which is hysterical. Young couples are so in love. And we're going to get married. and It's going to be great. We're going to sing. And then six months later, they're like in marriage counseling. I hate her. <laughs> You'll be there. It's great. And you're like, what's the problem? Well, you both have their, they have both have their own self-centered understanding of what marriage is going to be like, you know? The guy's like, we're going to make out all the time. You know, it's going to be great. You know, we're going to watch TV. We're going to game. And she's like, we're going to hold hands and go to the mall. <laughs> You'll get there. Trust me. But the point is that they both have their own understandings of what it means to be. I, I very, get this. I very rarely meet people who are getting ready to get married. And their dream is, oh, how can I fulfill? This is a true story. How can I fulfill my, the one I'm in love with? The person of the opposite sex that I'm going to get married before God. I mean, we got to be careful on time, but really quickly, when I was in college, Dr. Olney, he was a pastor who was also a professor, and he actually pastored a deaf church, and he did it, he, he, he signed, and so he's a super neat guy, but his wife was, he was like really reserved and parted his hair and, you know, and just like typical professor, and his wife was like, wow, she's like really likable and fun, and so she would come in, and they would do, it was, a, it was called Marriage in the Family, and she would come in periodically throughout the, the semester, and she'd give these talks. Well, one time she came in as a hysterical, and she was talking about their wedding night. Do we have time for this? No pressure. <laughs> it's hysterical. It's age appropriate. So she comes in, and she said, she goes, he was so nervous. 
And so they get out of the wedding, they go to the motel room, and she's like, she goes into the bathroom, and he's, you know, he's over in the corner just shaking and quaking and scared. And so she comes out, and she said, he's, he's sitting in a chair, and she's, you know, dressed up for the evening, and he's sitting in this chair. His hands are in his head, and his head is bowed, and she's like, this poor guy. And she goes over, and he looks up, and she goes, I kid you not, he's crying. He's got a bowl of water and a towel. He scoots it back, he sets her down, he washes her feet, and he said, what did you dream that this night would look like? All the girls are like, oh, I'm taking notes. I'm like, that's, that's great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's great stuff. What is that? That's, that's servant. That's servant. Did you, could we exercise that week? Could we exercise that this week? There's already rumors someone's stealing something from someone else's cabin. Come on, dude. Seriously? Uh, look at me. If you're filled with him, you think of others before yourself. So Paul is saying, listen, here's what he says. Paul says, I'm a servant of God. What does that mean? Paul says, I'm filled with his nature. How he feels about you, I feel about you. What he's, what he's into, I'm into. How he sees you, I see you. That's the dominant factor of his life. Do you have that? Then he goes and he, 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 he pairs it with, and we'll, we'll explain how this goes together. He pairs it with that he's an apostle. He says, I'm filled with his nature and how God feels about you, I feel about you. How he would talk to you, I want to talk to you. When you interact with us this week as leaders, when you, interact, when you interact with me, I want you interacting with him. I do, I want you walking away saying, man, I, I want to be that kind of a person. I want to act that way. I want to be that consistent. I want to have that kind of, that was Paul. In fact, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Whatever I do, you do. That's what a servant is. Now he pairs that with the word apostle. And for time, we'll make it easy because I threw in some extra illustrations that were really cool. But the word apostle, it literally means mission. And we'll maybe talk about this later this week. But the church is what we call apostolic. I teach. I teach at school, at a couple of different schools. And our church is a missional church. Our church is not a safe haven where we're waiting behind big walls for God to come back and save us. That's pathetic. We're missional. Now we, are you with me? Are you listening? Are you looking? I can see you. We're to be, in other words, mission is what drives him, what motivates him, motivates me. I said this before we got here. I was talking to the worship man and the counselors. And, you know, Gary's much, he's a much better NYI president than I am. I'd be just be yelling probably all the time. But, because my deal is if you don't want to be here as a leader, why are you even here? There's no ulterior motives. I want leaders here who are seeking, and, and that's what I love about you. Look, they're all sitting. I've been to camps where all the leaders are sitting in the back, kind of hanging out and chatting. It's going to be a great week. That's not your leaders. They're all sitting among you. Why? Because they're hungry. They're seeking. That's mission. They're driven. See, what, you hear this. What, what, whatever God's intention is for this service that's my intention for this service. I have no ulterior motives. Whatever he wants to do. That was Paul. Paul says, so I'm driven by the priorities of God and I'm here for your benefit. I am a servant and I am an apostle. Now, for the difficult part. He says, I'm an apostle and a servant for this reason. 
Okay, here's the whole reason. If you want to know why I'm driven, if you want to know why I'm serving you, it's for this reason. It's for the faith of this group called the elect. Now, I'm going to use a marker board from time to time because the visuals are just really helpful. And you're going to have to pay attention because this is going to sound really bad. When we talk about elect, hear this. Paul says, I come for the faith of God's elect. Anybody know what the word elect means? Starts with a C, ends with ozen. Chosen, very good. So elect means chosen. Now let that simmer. Paul says, I come and I'm a servant and I'm driven. But I'm driven for a specific group. I'm driven for those who are chosen. Which would make you ask, well, what about those who are not chosen? Paul says, I don't come for them. Which may lead, your, may lead you, but it, 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 your parents will have been around this more. You hear people every once in a while talk about God chooses some to be saved, and he chooses some not to be saved. Anybody here believe that? I do. You say, why? Because I can read. That's what he says. God says, I come for those whom he chooses. Which you'd say, hold on, you're telling me God doesn't choose certain people. He doesn't. He chooses the elect. And you're going to be like, all right, you got my attention, weirdo. Explain yourself. Well, here's the deal. If you go in, we're not going to go here, but if you go into the book of Ephesians, God is, he explains it, Paul explains it. He doesn't explain it here because this is a pastoral letter. This is one of his private correspondences, like a private letter to one of his friends, Okay. But to the church at Ephesus, he explains this chosen language. Right in here is the chosen. Okay? This is who God chooses. So what God does is you say, what is this category then? Why, why does God limit it here? Well, this category, both in Galatians, Ephesians, and in Corinthians, the category is Jesus. The category is, it, it, it's, it's all Jesus, but he talks about it in him. Or in, that wasn't a very good hymn. In him, in the one he loves. He talks about it as in Christ. I mean, you guys have all read this. That we're to believe in him. This is the category. We are saved in Jesus. We are saved in Christ. This is the category. God, hear this, God only picks those who trust in Jesus. And this is the group he, he picks out of. God doesn't pick out here. And out of here are, out here are murderers. Out here are pedophiles. Out of here are liars. Oh, I, hate, I hate that, man. A liar, you just, they won't let you love them. Out here are the thieves. Out here are the, uh, um, well, all the other stuff. Whatever it may be. God is not, hear this, God is not going to choose to bless this group. He only chooses those that are in Jesus. And here's the good news. Everybody can get in Jesus. Everybody can. So you say, who's left out? No one's left out. For God so loved the entire world that he gave his one and only son. He desires none to perish. So here's what Christianity is. This is huge. Listen, if you're not into Jesus, I meet people who are like, oh, I believe in God. Yeah, who cares? 
Satan believes in God. Just ask him. During the ministry of Jesus, demons would fall at Jesus' feet and say, Holy One of God. Look it up tonight. They believe who he is. So I mean, people say, I believe in Jesus. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I, I believe that he exists. I'm talking about my entire life is wrapped up in him. Because those are the ones that God chooses. God has literally got a place for all eternity for his sons and daughters. By the way, in, in the book of Ephesians, sons and daughters are in this group. They're in this group. If you want to be a son, get into Jesus. Because that's, that's where he puts the blessings. That's where he puts the provisions. That's where he puts the safeties. Everybody is to be in Jesus. Everybody's welcome. Now, you don't have to. But if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be in him. So Paul says, here's what, I come for the faith of those who are in here. Paul didn't go and just be like, yeah, murderers, you're awesome. <laughs> what did he say? He said, repent and get into here. What does that mean, Jeremiah? Well, we talked about being a servant, seeing the way he sees, feeling the way he feels. God is not going to come. I'm, we're going to talk this week about stewardship. You think if there was a church that was cruel and mean and legalistic and didn't represent him, do you think God would lead people there to that church? There's a lot of churches out there that people write books on church growth. It's simple. If you're a good steward of people, he'll send you more. This is not rocket science. If you're a good steward, money-wise, if you're a good steward of money, he'll give you more. If you're not, he won't give it to you because it'll hurt you. You'll depend on money and not on him. Again, I'm not in money. I'm in Jesus. See, I'm not in sex drive. I'm in Jesus. I'm not in popularity. I'm in Jesus. This is where I get my identity. Come on. Are you understanding me? This is who you're called to be. I'm not Mr. Funny Guy. That ever, I'm in Jesus. I want to see myself the way he does. I want to feel about myself the way he does. That's what he's talking about. Paul says, man, I'm passionate about this. I'm hungry for this. It's the mission of the kingdom that fills my life. And I come to pour myself out for those who are after Jesus. And for those who are after Jesus, he says, I come for the faith of those who are in here. Now, this is the last thing, and we're done. God comes, specifically Paul, he wants to develop what we call faith. And again, I'm just going to pretend, you probably already know this, but I'm going to pretend you don't understand faith. Because I meet people all the time who don't know what it means to have faith in Jesus. Oh, I have faith in Jesus, I believe. Do you? Do you know what faith in Jesus means? Faith in Jesus is always contrasted with something called the law. In the Old Testament, they lived, you may not know this, in the Old Testament, they lived according to the law. And what was the law? Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't commit adultery. Those were all those things. When Jesus came on the Sermon on the Mount, he says it's going to be a little different. He says, you've heard it said, remember him preaching like that? You've heard it said, don't kill. But I tell you, don't even hate. 
You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even lust. Two different things. You're like, what does that mean? One is law, one is faith. And here's how I explain it to my kids, which will tell you why they're all weird. Um, kill. Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't kill, don't murder. But I tell you, don't even hate. We got a guy that lives down from our house. I live in Tennessee. And uh, he's mean and cruel. And I just hate him. I just wish he'd die. And, uh, but, but I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to kill him. Okay? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But I wish he'd get hit by a truck. <sighs> no, I'm not going to kill him. I'm a Christian, man. Okay? But, uh, in fact, you know, when I got here this afternoon, my wife called me. This is true. Um, Nashville's exploding and growing, and so there's traffic and wrecks and all this time. So Corinda, on the way back from the airport, called me. She told me, she do not believe I got stuck in two hours of traffic. And I was like, oh. She, I go, was it a wreck? She was, yeah. And she was, it was a bad one this time. She was, I think it was a fatality. And I remember thinking, oh, let it be him. Let it be him. Let it be him. But I'm not going to kill him. Now, if you've heard any, have you ever heard anybody describe their relationship with Jesus like that? You'd be like, that guy's weird. That's clearly not what it means to be a Christian. But in the old covenant, you'd be surprised how many people, probably like, not like you, but all those other Christians in the world, that's how they describe their relationship. They're, well, that, that's what we mean by legalistic. That's legalistic. Well, I'm not going to kill him. Well, Jesus says, you've heard it say, don't murder, but I tell you, don't even hate. Now, don't, yeah, that, I'm not going to kill that guy. And hey, not killing, not murder, big fan, okay? Love it. But you can not murder somebody, and it still doesn't make you a Christian. I was, this is a true story. I was at a, a church just back in May. I kid you not. We're in the lobby before I go in to speak. It's a bigger church. And this guy was talking to his buddy, and he's like, I was on my way, man, in rush hour traffic trying to get here, and there's this guy, and he's talking all derogatory. He's in the, he's in the fast lane. Blah, blah, blah. And man, I just well, I was going to kill him, but I didn't. I didn't. I'm a Christian. I'm like, are you sure? I think you're an Old Testament legalistic person. He didn't like me. But I, I, I wasn't trying to be mean or judgmental. But he, he, he didn't feel about that guy the way he felt about that guy. It's different. Man, I, would, I, I would like to just, but I won't do it. You, you think that, is that how God looks at you? But I hate that kid. Oh, but he's praying. <laughs> Legalism. I'm telling you. You listen to this. Did you guys know that you can come to this service? and yet not come to this service? That you can be here, but not be here? That you can sing and not worship? See, I wonder when we all come forward, and I love that, big fan. But I, are, you worship, are you singing to him? See, listen to your worship leader. Listen to Aaron this week, because he's going to say stuff like, let's, let's just tell him how much we love him. Let's sing to him. Let's get excited. Not, not just excited about him, I meet people that come and they, they, they love to worship more than they love to worship him. One is legalism, one is not. We get so busy yelling about Jesus, are we actually talking to him? We get so busy praying that are we actually talking to him or is it just a wish list? I tell your parents all the time that you can give 10% and yet not tithe because it's not just activity, dude. It's inside. 
Jesus said in the Old Testament, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, don't even lust. If you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've already committed adultery. I've used a number of ways to explain this, but my wife, and I've got Instagram, Facebook, all that, you can, it's, she's phenomenal. My wife is, she's very pretty, but she's got some miles on her. I mean, she's getting up there in age. Okay. I mean, but I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm not going to cheat on her. I love my wife. But she can't live forever. And uh, if she dies, I'm going younger, you know, and less lippy as well. She's got a mouth. But, I love, but I'm not, I'm not going to divorce her and I'm not going to cheat on her. <laughs> this one girl's like, he's a jerk. <laughs> I'm giving you an illustration. Because if you ever heard me talk like that, you'd be like, that's not a Christian. No, it's not a Christian. But yeah, but I'm not going to cheat on her. You're not? Hold on, Jeremiah. You're saying adultery is lusting after another person? I wonder how many people in my church have committed adultery. You know what's even worse? How they crucify someone who does. Are you real? Come on, teen. I'm sorry. I'm just wondering. There's no pressure. Are you real? Are you fake? Are you the real thing? You say, what do you mean? Have you ever come to the point, last thing, Aaron, come, buddy. We're going we're gonna, to, I want you to lead us in worship. Here, just really quickly. In the name of Jesus, I guarantee you, I don't know who you've ever heard before, but I'm different. I'm different right now. You can be changed. The Bible says, look at me please. The Bible says you can be a new creation. You can be a new creation. What does that mean? You can be different. I hear people all the time talk about, well, I've just been really struggling. And, and it's, it's like as a Christian, they live their whole life. Get this. They live their whole life resisting what they really want to do. But they want to go to heaven so they don't do it. Dude, that's hell. That's hell on earth. I ain't living that way. I'm not going to spend the rest of my, my life faking it and resisting what I really want to do. I want to be changed. I want to see you the way he sees you. I want to see the men of my, I want to see the women of my day the way he does. I want to feel about you the way he feels about you. What excites him, I want to excite me. What he's passionate about, I want to be passionate about. I want to be led by his spirit. I want to be the real thing. What I found in my life over the years, the, the tighter I get with him, is temptations that used to be temptations, they're just not that tempting anymore. Because I just don't want, I just want him. I just want him. So here's what we're doing tonight. And this is going to be hard. But just, you got to respond. We're going to start tonight. Most of the time you go to these teen camps and they build till Thursday night. Dude, by the time Thursday night, we're burning this joint down. We're starting tonight. If you look at me, and you're going to know, I, I sense it already. There's going to be those of you who are sitting out there and your heart's beating. And you're going to go, I've wanted that my whole life. Because Jeremiah, I've got this secret thing on my computer. I've got this secret stuff. i got some, I got the way that I'm in school and the way that I'm, and I do. I love, I love Jesus, but I just, you're telling me I can be different. 
I'm telling you. How do you know? Because me and Paul were the least of all God's people. I'm a normal guy. I come from a long line, not even Nazarene. I come from a long, long line of truck drivers. I come from a long line of really bad guys. None of the men in my family are alive. They either died in prison or they're not. I was on my, I lived, I've been on my, I had a full-time job going through high school. Seriously. I've been on my own since 15. I graduated 87 out of 91 in my high school class. I was most voted least likely to succeed. But I found Jesus. And I'm different. So here's what I want to offer you an opportunity. I want some of you to come and pray up here, but some of our leaders are going to be standing back. I see Gary back there, and, and um, Leah is back there. There's a number of the ESU group is back there. We're using you. And so you can just kind of spread out. and Listen, I'm not, I don't want to know about your business unless you need someone that I'm good with it. But this is about you coming back and just saying, hey, I've got some stuff in here that I want him to fix. And where two or three are gathered, okay, this is where we lay hands on you. And we say, Jesus, cure, heal, bring transformation. I want to come into agreement with you on that so you can be free. So you can be free. Would you be open to that tonight? So we're going to dim the lights back down to where they were in worship. And if he's speaking to you, and you come up here and the altars are full, just head back there. Listen, we love you. I'm, I'm 100% available to you this week. And this is camp. We're going to have a blast. All kinds of fun things. They got. We've expanded the afternoon, so the service is a little bit later. It's going to be everything teen camp should be in terms of fun. But in the evening services, a little bit in the morning, we're going after him. Because we want to, we, we do not need another generation like mine of legalistic people who show up to church and think that by going to church on Sunday they're a Christian. We're done with that. This is this is your time. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, this is your time. So come into agreement with me, Jesus. Father, we love you this evening, and we ask, Lord, that you would come. Father, send your Holy Spirit move in our midst, bring about conviction, bring about exposure. Father, call your sons and daughters to yourself. We want to step into Christ. We want to step out of the world into Christ. We want to belong to you because you, you've chosen us before the foundation of the world. Your plan is waiting for us. Father, there's some in this room that you're just dealing with tonight. This week, you're going to call, call some to ministry. You're going to call some out of relationships. You're going to call some out of sin. You're going to open up some so they can hear you in a way they've never heard you before. Father, you're just going to pour out your spirit. We're all going to be, we're all going to be stretched in ways we haven't been stretched before. I pray for the counselors that's come, Father, that you want to do a new thing in starting tonight. What better, what better testimony to set among your teens and be the first one to say, wow, God got all over me tonight. And there's been some stuff that I've carried that he's lifted off of me. And it's not mine anymore. In the name of Jesus, have your way. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking.